the confidence that tomorrow will be better than today. As those of you who have watched uh, The Lord of the Rings will remember Aragorn, the uh, captain of the rangers, the future king, and there he is standing on the uh, battlements of Helm's Deep, surrounded by a whole army of terrible orcs, with his uh, valiant uh, colleagues and friends fighting beside him. They think it's all about to, they're all about to be destroyed. But Aragorn is standing on the battlements looking out for the sun, for the dawn. As he says, dawn is not far off, and dawn is ever the hope of man. So let us defend and hope. The Bible tells us our hope is not just wishful thinking, but it's a certainty which comes from God's loving faithfulness towards us, which we take hold of by faith in Christ's love and power. God has said he will rescue us so we can stand firm in hope. I asked Adam for two um, readings uh, on the theme of hope for this morning, and he's chosen two interesting and unusual ones. The first is the context, the historical context of the prophecy about the Virgin's son. If you listen carefully, you'll hear that the countries of Aram and Israel are planning to attack Ahaz, king of Judah. It will help you if you uh, understand that Israel and Ephraim are both the same country. Otherwise, you'll think there are three countries there. And their plan now is to attack Jerusalem and to divide it up between them. But through Isaiah, the prophet, God is promising to Ahaz, the king, that this won't happen if Ahaz will only stand firm in faith. And God offers a sign of this rescue. Can we have our first reading? The first reading is taken from Isaiah, chapter 7, verses uh, 1 to 14. That's on page 691 in the Bibles uh, next to you. That's Isaiah 7, verses 1 to 14. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judea, King Rezin of Aram and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Azhar and his people were shaken, and the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shear Jasub, and meet Azhar, and the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the watershipman's field. Say to him, Be careful, keep calm, and do not be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smouldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Remaliah. Aram, Ephraim, and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin, saying, 
Let us invade Judea. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and take the son of Tobiel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the heart of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will too be shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Ahaz and Judah are really scared. They've already been beaten by both Aram and Israel individually, but now the two countries have allied together against them and they've got a plan to take over Jerusalem and to carve it up. But God, the God of Judah, has promised political rescue. Nevertheless, Ahaz must stand firm in his trust in God. If you do not stand firm, you will not stand at all. Many of us may feel that with the political shifts of the last 18 months, Brexit, Trump, right-wing and Islamic extremists, North Korea, that we are in a world slowly boiling up to apocalypse. But God's promise to his people still stands firm. I hold the reins of politics, says the Lord, and you can trust me, but you must trust me. If you do not stand firm, you will not stand at all. As on a number of occasions in the Old Testament, God offers a sign that what he has promised will come true. And this sign, together with the promise, is what offers his people the hope they need to keep trusting and waiting for him to act. And the sign he chooses to offer are the famous lines that we know so well. The virgin will be with child and will bear a son and will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Of course, that sign God would use again 600 years later, assuring us of an even greater promise. In Jesus' own words, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him, whoever stands firm in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. And the sign of that? Well, the angel said to Mary, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name 
Jesus, God saves. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, in our second reading, the Apostle Paul quotes another passage from Isaiah reiterating this sign and the hope it gives. Let's hear that one now. Sam. The second reading is from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 13. And it's on pages 1141 of your church Bibles. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbour for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. But, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the Lord and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Can I just have that um, last screen back up again? Can we just leave that last uh, scripture verse? Thank you. That's great. So according to St. Paul, what kind of hope is it that Jesus' birth gives to us? Well, firstly, it's a hope for our relationships. We can accept one another. We can forge unity together. We can build one another up. Because Christ has already accepted each one of us. Secondly, it's a personal hope for eternal intimate fellowship with God. Did you hear that? A personal hope for intimate relationship and fellowship, eternal life with God. Thirdly, it's a hope for everyone, not just those on the inside, those in the know, but for those on the margins, those on the outside too. And fourthly, of course, it's a political hope. It's a hope for the whole world that Jesus will rule over the nations in ways that our current rulers always fall so far short. And what does this hope make possible for us? For ourselves, it gives us the courage to endure. 
But wider than that, it gives us the motivation and the resources to overflow to others in generosity and love, in forgiveness and forbearance. As Paul reiterates in this final line, our God is a God of hope. May the God of hope. It's so that we can trust in him. Because he's a God of hope, we can trust in him. That will give us joy and peace as we trust in him. And as the power of God's Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will overflow with hope into the lives of others. So what hope does Christmas give us for 2018, for this coming year? If you haven't yet entered one, the possibility is there for you of a personal relationship with God, trusting through Jesus. A relationship starting now, but enduring into eternity. There's a hope of renewed relationships, one with another, of fellowship together as a congregation here and with other members of Christ's family across the world if you are traveling or moving. There's the hope of a wider witness to the world for our congregation and growing ministry in the power of the Spirit. And of course, there is the hope of unexpected steps towards international peace. All of this, Christ offers through us and in us and for us, his church. Because of his birth, his death, his resurrection, eternal life begins now. That is some hope. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.